excited to move into this final part of the series, Bridges, and this is the Bridge of Sonship. Everybody say, Bridge, Bridge. of Sonship. What in the world does that mean? There have been movements in the church world for a long time, um, different movements of different kinds, uh, where you've heard the word sons or sonship, and it's been... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been not contaminated. What's the word I'm looking for? There's uh, just, it wasn't good. And uh, perverted, yeah, perverted. So they've taken this, there's different times and seasons when the word sonship has been perverted in such a way that it was used in ways it was not meant to be used. And, and seen and visualized and people became a part of it. It wasn't intended to be that way. But there is a true path to true sonship that the father laid out and laid out very clearly. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. I want to talk about it today, and I want to talk about why sonship is important. First of all, let me start by saying this. If I'm standing on this side of the bridge of sonship, my goal is, on this side, I don't get it. On this side, I'm not a son, but when I cross the bridge, the transition it takes for me to get here, through that journey, I become a son. Within the church world, this idea of sonship and sons and, and what have you, it, it almost comes across as this thing that involves a lot of control, a lot of manipulation, um, a lot of uh, somebody else telling everybody else what to do and what not to do. True sonship has absolutely nothing to do with that. In fact, true sonship, and I want you to say this, say this with me, true sonship, true sonship. is freedom. It's freedom. To truly be, be a son means I am truly free. You'll understand that in just a moment. So let's jump in right now, and let's jump in with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, the bridge of sonship. I'm going to read this scripture out of the New American Standard Bible. I'm using two different versions, but I'm going to use this in the New American Standard Bible. If you're following along on the Bible app, it's real easy. So Ephesians 1, 5 says this about God's intentions towards, toward us. What are God's intentions toward us? Says this, says in love, he predest in love is in verse four, but in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according, and I love this, the way it reads here, according to the kind intention of his will. His intention is that you and I are sons. I won't spend a lot of time on this message today, but the time that I do spend, I want you to get it. And I want you to understand the significance of coming to a place where sonship reigns and something else we're going to talk about in a minute is no longer present. So his, he predestined us, which means doesn't mean... That in the beginning of time, God said, this is the way your life is going to be. I've predestined it. This is how it's going to be. It's fixed, so your choices don't matter. That's not predestined. Predestined means this. What the Father intended from the beginning of time is that we would all be sons. Whether or not we became those is up to us. He gave everyone a free will, so he predestined us to be sons. His purpose in creating us was to become a son. Now, along the way, he gave us a will because you can't say to a person, I want you to be a son and take away their will because then they're always a slave. So you cannot be a son and not have free will. 
Every son, to be a son, free will must be present. I, you choose to be a son. You hear me this morning? Do you get this? So again, he said, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself according to the kind intention of his will. God's intentions towards us, first of all, he sees the condition of mankind. He knows the condition of man. He knows where men are. And I'm not talking about man as in gender. I'm talking about mankind. Gender neutral, let's do it that way. So when the Father is looking at mankind and He sees them, He sees the condition of mankind. In fact, in this very room right now, when the Father casts His eyes upon every person in this place, male or female, young or old, doesn't matter where you came from, rich or poor, when the Father casts His eyes upon any of us and all of us, in this room, he knows the condition of our lives. He knows if we are seated in this room this morning or watching online, he knows if we are seated in this room with a slave mind or a son mind. He knows exactly where we are. He knows the condition of man. And because he knows the condition of man and because his intention is to do good and to allow us to become sons, when he sees the condition of man, he immediately moves to make a way for all of mankind to become his sons. He makes a way. And that's what he did in the beginning of time when Adam messed up. Adam messed up. He and Eve ate the fruit of the tree, and I'm not going to dive into that deep, but they messed up. And then in the New Testament, he sent Christ because, again, the Father saw the condition of man. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a second Adam because I'm after sons. Adam and Eve robbed me of the ability to have sons. In fact, no, let me just leave that alone. But they robbed the father of the ability to have sons because because of their sin he had to put in place of free will law in the moment he put law in place you'll do this you'll not do this you'll go here you don't do this you don't do that Deuteronomy Deuteronomy is full of law and he goes through all of that and when he put in place law sonship became irrelevant but that grieved the father Because the father isn't about slaves. He isn't about robots. He's about sons. He's about people that will serve him and worship him and honor him just because they love him. So as he's glancing over the condition of men over 6,000 years and he's watching this all happen and the law is prevalent and that's all that exists, he comes to the place where he says to his son, Jesus Christ, he said, listen, The condition of man has gotten so much worse. I require sons. I'm going to send you my only begotten son so that other sons can manifest. So where my first Adam failed, Christ, you now become my second Adam. So I'm going to send you in to redeem again and give opportunity again for mankind to become sons. God, everybody say this with me. God's intention, God's intention toward, me. toward me. Make it personal. His intention, His intention toward, me toward me is to be a son. To be a son. 
You need to understand that today. And in fact, don't even feel bad about it. People, people don't like the word son in some faith. They don't like the word son because they feel like they're kind of supplanting who Jesus Christ is. That's not true. In fact, Jesus Christ is fulfilled in you being a son. His death, burial, and his uh, hanging on the cross at death, burial, and resurrection, that is literally, he did that so that you could be fulfilled, so that you could be a son, so that the possibility would be there for you to once again be a son, not just somebody that took orders. He made us with free will, and that does not change his intentions for us. With free will, his, even though we sometimes choose not to be sons, sometimes we choose to do what we're going to get into in just a moment. Sometimes we choose to look at, participate in the law because there's comfort there. It doesn't change that his intention is for us to escape the law so that we can become sins. I'm not talking about the law of the land. I'm talking about the law that suppressed mankind and kept them from becoming the sons of God. I got to say that this morning because we have a police officer present. I want to make sure that <laughs> we cover that well. So God's intentions toward us, number one. Number two, law, a, sin, a son does not produce. Say this with me. Law, law. a son does not produce. Law has never been able to produce a son. It's been able to produce good people. There's a lot of good people, whether in the church, in the religion, in outside of church, outside of religion, doesn't matter who it is. Law has produced a lot of good people. There's a lot of good people out there that don't even know God, don't believe in God, don't like God, but they're good law-abiding citizens. They make good choices. They do good things. But law, a son does not produce. But by doing law, by fulfilling law, you never can be a son. Let's read in Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4 in the English Standard Version. It reads like this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and born under the law, to redeem, key, key, key word, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, which is his, we learned a moment ago, intention, correct? To redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, we're close. We desire to be close. We desire to know you. We want to know you intimately. We don't want to know you as a God afar off. We want to know you as a near God, not a far God. So that you are no longer a slave, but instead you are a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir through God. Again, law, a son, does not produce. Sons are born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Let's talk about this for just a second. I'm going to go back to Galatians 4 verse 5. It says this, He did this, the fullness, God sent His Son to redeem those who were under the law. Let's stop right there for a second. God sent forth His Son to redeem those who were under the law. I want to picture this, the Father looking out over all of the earth and saying, I see a lot of law people. They wear long dresses to church, they don't wear makeup, they don't wear jewelry, they do wear jewelry, they do whatever the laws might be in the church. They, they, they abide by all the things that religion has put on them. 
But he said, I want to redeem them from that law because somehow they think if they wear the right dress or wear the right pants or wear the right shoes or wear their hair this way, that somehow they're closer to me. And those things have nothing to do with it. But law has produced this mixed idea that if I wear it this way, say it this way, act this way, then somehow I'm good. Well, he did not cause, call us or create us simply to live by the law. He created us to live by the Spirit and in free will to say to him, you know what, I'm coming to you with my tattoos. I'm coming to you with my, not my earrings, but somebody's earrings. I'm coming to you with whatever. But I'm coming to you on my own free will. In fact, the law would tell me that I can't come in. But I'm coming in because you know what, God, I want to know you. I really want to know you. I really want to be a part of what you're doing. I want, to, I want to demonstrate the goodness of God in the earth. I want your intentions in me to be fulfilled. He said he sent his son to redeem those who were under the law. Now, why is it important that they're redeemed? Because, read the next part, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In other words, read this different. He wanted to redeem them from under the law so that they could become sons. So if you flip that around and you read the backside of that, you read the contrary to that, it would say this, says, if you're under the law, you're never going to become a son. Just what I said a while ago. Said you cannot remain under the law and ever become a son because you're always going to be worried about whether or not you're accepted based on how you look, how you talk, how you wear it, how you do it. And sons don't do that. It took a long time. I've told you this story before, but it took a long time for me. And there's still laws in my life that I'm letting the Holy Spirit rid me of and free me of. In fact, this morning... This morning, I tried to break a law, and then my wife reapplied it to me. But there were, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about it in a minute. So in years past, you know, when we started the Rock of Central Florida in 1999, and I would walk in, I always wore a suit with a tie. It was all buttoned up tight. My hair was greased right, and whatever we did back then, I don't remember what we did. I had the right shoes on. They were laced, not slip-ons. All these, I know, stupid. It's dumb. But I made sure it was all that way because that's what I thought I had to do because under the law, he will, be, he will not be pleased with me if I wear a t-shirt and blue jeans on Sunday morning. And the whole time the father, no doubt, the whole time the father is probably thinking, son, you've lost it. you lost your mind. I'm wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt right now. <laughs> so this morning, I got this new shirt for Christmas. You can tell I took it out of the package. I thought I ironed it. I got it all but that. And I put my shirt on, and I was getting ready, and I put my jeans on, and I put my boots on, and I buttoned it all up like it is right now. And I thought, well, that doesn't look good with boots, so I'm going to just unbutton this button right here. I'm just going to unbutton that because I, I want to look sporty. So I said, I'm going to look sporty this morning. So I came sporty all the way here, got behind my slow visitor today. Thank you for doing it. And got all the way here. I walk in the office. It wasn't open. Anyway, I'm talking. And... I get in there, we, have our, we pray, you know, before service, and we get in there, and, and I had no idea the whole time my wife is talking to Matt standing beside me, shoes across the room, and she's telling him, what's going on with his shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong with his shirt. Matt's like... <laughs> so after we prayed, you know, we're getting ready to come out here, and my wife comes over just gingerly, sweet as she can be. She just comes over, she said, I need to fix this. <laughs> she buttoned me all up, made me feel tight and under the law. 
So I just got set free, and I'm going to leave it like this the rest of the service. The way I like it. And the father said, you're not a son because you buttoned the top button. I gave you free will. Exercise it. I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it was a little sportier. And the bucks are going to win today, so I have to look good. So redeem those who were under the law. So that we, to redeem those who were under the law, he sent Christ so that we might receive adoption so that we could become sons. He said, I want you to get out from the law. Let me tell you, I want everybody listening to me right now. The Father isn't, his heart, his soul, his desire, his passion for you isn't for you to be under the law. And I know in our minds, sometimes we think, what, 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 somebody might actually be sitting here thinking this, what law are you talking about? Well, the laws that religion puts on us. I despise religion. I don't like it. I've said before, I wish it, if I had, to, had it to do all over again and could build this church all over again, I would build it like something that didn't even look like a church. Because people drive by a building that looks like a church and they've already made up their mind, I'm not going there because it's a church. But I'd rather them make a mistake and say, I thought that was a CVS. <laughs> and I came in there and my whole life was changed. Because there's people, though, that are under the sound of my voice right now, but your whole life has been consumed with the laws. And, 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 and the laws that are put upon us are not put there by the Father. But they were, he literally redeemed us. He sent his son to redeem us from the law so that we could become his sons. Yeah. We're going to get to this in a minute, the, the slave part of this in a minute. This, this mentality that we have to sh get shaken from. But he sent him to redeem us from that law. And some of the laws that we live with, we live with, they were given to us or placed upon us or in many ways heaped upon us with good intentions. People weren't trying to hurt us, preachers or pastors or religion. or They're not trying to hurt us, or at least mostly. They're not trying to hurt us and weigh us down and what have you. But they're doing what they knew to do. But when we grow and we mature and we are in Christ and as we begin to learn, in fact, we sang the song this morning, as we open our eyes, we see he begins to make things appear and we understand things differently. The gospel of Jesus Christ has never changed, but our interpretation of it has. So the laws that people have put on you are things or places or whatever it might be. There's people under the sound of my voice watching online right now. Maybe some of you are even my family. And you're watching online right now. And there's been laws that have been placed on you. And maybe I've done that. Maybe I've said in time past, listen, you're, you're going to do this or that. And I'm sure there are things. There are examples. I don't know what they are right now. And I repent. Because the kingdom of God isn't about laws. The kingdom of God is about bringing vagabonds and orphans and slaves and outcasts, those who have not been received and accepted, bringing them into the family and allowing them to be sons so they can be set free. And they never have need again. Hear me. He said, when the fullness of time had come, he sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law in order that they might become sons. And because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I'm going to tell you what happens. Under the law, because you're not a son, when we are under the law, whether it's you, me, or any of us, when we are living, trying to live out our faith 
by doing all the right things and making sure we avoid these things? When our focus every day is, well, I don't want to do that because that is not lawful in my church. I don't want to do this. When we live out our days like this, the focus is no longer on, how can I know you, Father? And He sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts so that we would be able to recognize the Father and say, Abba, Father. And say, you know what? I want to know you. You know what? Not any two people in this building live out their Christian faith exactly alike. And there was a time in, in years past that would have bothered me because I would have felt like we need to all look the same. There needs to be consistency here. But when you begin to think about that, you begin to really realize how uh, futile those thoughts are. And I'll tell you why. Because God has never been a God of consistency. He's been a God of purpose. To say that He's a God of consistency would say that we are all Hispanic, or we are all white, or we are all black, or we are all Asian, or we are all whatever. But He said, what I want is diversity. And I'm requiring something different from all these people in all of these moments require something different and I want sons I don't want people that all do it exactly the same he's calling you to sonship can you take the journey so as we begin to cross this bridge we begin to understand that there's something that we have to overcome that hinders all of us at one time or another and some even right now and it's called this and I want you to repeat it after me the slave mind in John chapter 8 go there with me John chapter 8 verse 35 reads like this The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. And I'm going to tell you why. Because a slave in a house is looking for a way to get away from what has rendered them slaves. Let me out of whatever is oppressing me. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but a son or the son does remain forever because a slave never has the opportunity to have ownership, but sons do. And what the father wants to do for all of us is he wants to raise up men and women who are not of a slave mind, but are of a son mind. A son mind where it says, I'm taking ownership of the earth that you have given me to govern. We know that in the Old Testament, the First Testament, he told us it is our job, it is our duty, it is our calling to rule and reign over all the earth. That doesn't mean with a heavy thumb and it doesn't mean with all the regulations and all of that. It means to own it. I want this thing to look good. I'm not a tree hugger and I'm sorry if you are and you're mad at me because I'm not. I, I'm sorry, but I love the trees. But I love trees. I try to save trees when I can. Not because I feel like if I take this one down, there'll be no more trees left. I, I say, because I love them. I hate weeds, though. So if you're a weed hugger. But I, I do these things because I want to take ownership. I want to own it. I want to look at the land, and I want to see what's out there, what's around me, whether it be the trees. And we cleared this land. When we bought this land from the man that we bought it from, he used to own this nursery that's down here on the corner at the time he owned it. And I called this man, and I said to him, You know the story. But I said to him, I want to buy that land. And then I told him what price we wanted to buy it for. And he said, I'm not going to sell it for that. And I said, sir, whether you sell me that land or the man you sell that land to sells me that land, I'm going to own that land and I'm going to build a church on it. And he said, I don't believe in that God stuff. And I said, well, I do. And I went and met with him and we got the land. But one of the things he said when I sat at his kitchen table in Ocala, 
And he's eating a banana and he's writing on paper. Writing on a little napkin what he wanted to do and how he wanted to make this deal so that we could buy this land and build this church. He's a multimillionaire. I'm sitting there at the table with this guy and one of the things that he said, he said, what's your plan for the trees? And I said, I'm going to save as many of them as I can. I'll do the very best I can with what is there, especially the oaks. And he signed off because he cared about the land. See, it's that kind of, even though he's a man that out of his own mouth said he doesn't believe in God. And yet, he wants to care for the land. If someone who doesn't believe in God wants to care for the land, how much more should we? So when we rule and reign over it, we take ownership. That There's a spirit of sonship that dwells in us. See, if I can walk out there and I can just rape the land, it bothers me. I, again, I'm not a tree hugger, but it bothers me when I go out and they're building new construction projects and they completely rape the land. And they don't do anything with it. That bothers me. Not because I don't want new construction, but because I want you to find a way so that it's still pretty. So I look out over this thing and I take ownership, but I can only take ownership as a son, but in order to be a son, I have to get rid of the slave mind. See, the slave mind's always trying to get out of the house. I'm going to tell you this. Listen to what I'm saying to you right now. There's a reason that churches are having a hard time keeping people in them today because there's been such a a, uh, proliferation. There's been such an indulgence in causing people to uh, believe that the only way to God is to abide by this law and that spiritual law. There's been such a a push for people, you can't wear this, you can wear this, you can't say that, you can't do whatever. And there's been so many laws that have been applied to people who really want to know God, but they've been applied for so long, the slave mind has set in. So they don't want to take ownership of that, so they're going to leave the house. You hear me today? But a son doesn't want to leave the house. A son, it says in fact, a son will remain in the house forever. A true son who gets the spirit of what the, the reason that the house is even there will remain in the house forever. doesn't mean it's always easy. I think Vanessa touched on that, or one of them touched on it in the last couple of weeks. It's not always easy. Sometimes you look at it and you think, boy, you know, I'm, I'm a son. I'm not by the law. I'm a son of, but, but, but I just don't get this. But I'm telling you, sonship, there's something about sonship that causes us to say, you know what, but I trust. And I'm growing and I'm learning. So the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain. The slave mind is never at peace and cannot rest. To live by the law is to live with a slave mind. And it is a slave mind is never at peace and it is never at rest. It is always consumed with how it is being oppressed, afflicted, how it is what's being required of it. It is never freed. A slave mind until it becomes a son is, t- never takes ownership. There's always this sense of it belongs to somebody else, but it'll never belong to me. I'm going to tell you, until we shake that slave mind and we get rid of that, that law mind in, our, in ourselves and we, we allow the Spirit of Christ to begin to develop something in us and we don't see this thing as a choice A, choice B, but we see this as all I want is you. I want to be a son and the slave mind is gone. It's only then we can become a son, a slave mind always, always, 100% of the time separates and divides. A slave mind is always looking to pull someone off the cliff with it. A slave mind never goes off a cliff alone. It always reaches out to the people closest to it and pulls them down with it. Makes it look like I'm just grabbing you so I'm hoping you'll save me, but in truth, I just want to take you with me. A slave mind bound by the law. And don't get confused with what I'm saying today. 
this isn't a black and white thing. This is a spirit thing. I'm talking about a slave mind. And a slave mind is in anyone. Can be in anyone at any given time. But a slave mind is always looking to divide. It is always looking to separate. It is always looking for an argument. It's always looking for a way out. A slave mind can never accept that maybe this law that's been applied really is irrelevant. A slave mind believes that the ability for it to live exists only within the law. Has not yet come to the place where getting outside of that law will produce sonship where it says when I can, I can sit at the table of my father. Like anyone else. I can sit at the table with my father and what is my father's is mine. A slave mind is the enemy of sonship and it is the enemy of belonging. A slave mind always makes us believe that somehow we cannot be a part of whatever. We're only here because I was told to be here. A slave mind is one that believes they don't have any free will at all. And it never feels a sense of belonging. A slave mind feels like I'm only here because this one made me come here. But a son mind, the mind of sonship is, I'm here because this is my father's house. And I am a son. Sonship happens when the slave mind transcends its past and enters into its promise. Sonship happens when a slave mind gets over its past and enters into the promise. And the promise of the Father is this. I have called, I predestined you, we read in the very beginning, I predestined you as sons. From the very beginning of time, my purpose for you was to be sons. But in order for you to be son, you have to understand, you cannot live by the law and be a son too. You're going to have to do something that is really, really profoundly difficult for so many in so many ways, and that is to have faith and trust. You want to be a son, you're going to have to trust that I will lead you through the... See, laws make it comfortable. I don't have to trust Him. I don't have to even have faith in God. All I got to do is do what the church told me to do. And if I just do what the church told me to do, my slave master... then all will be well. But see, when I get outside of the law and I say, Father, I want to know you as Abba Father. I want to know you as Abba Father. I want to know you outside of the law. And when I do that, now I have to have faith. Now I have to trust. You know what? I believe you're changing me. Now, in the beginning, Paul said it best. He said, listen, follow me as I follow Christ until you can do this thing by the Spirit. In the beginning, there's a law that might be required that might help me get to where I need to go. In the beginning, I had to take a class before I could drive out there on the road. Just like all of you, hopefully. I had to take a class. Some of you, I'm certain, didn't pass. But there's, there's a class <laughs> I had to take before I could drive on that road. In that class, in that book, that driving book, there was, it was full of the laws. This is how fast you drive in a neighborhood. This is how fast you drive in a construction zone. This is, how fa- whatever you, this is when you turn. This is who you let go first at a four-way stop. This is how it all works. And I had to learn those laws. And those were laws in the beginning to me. 
And I'd come to a four-way stop and I'd think about it. Who goes first? Mm, okay, that guy. I'd get into a neighborhood. I don't see a speed limit sign. How fast should I go? Oh, yeah, I remember this. this the law taught me this. But you know what happened now? Over time, I transcended the law. Now it's by, by the Spirit. I don't think about it one second. I drive in, even if I don't know what the speed limit is, I don't think about it one second. I drive in there, I'm in a neighborhood, it's just, it's, I know. I know. I've taken ownership of who I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to live and how I'm supposed to act. Are you hearing me today? So there's a lot in our world today that wants to oppress, wants to hold down, wants to keep back. There's a lot of things and people and places and even churches, I hate to even do that, but I have to do that, to be honest, that are trying in every way to lay laws upon us so that our choice is gone. We can no longer make a choice. We're made to believe that we're in right relationship with God as long as we jump through all of these hoops. But at the end of the day, the Father said this, this is how you will become a son. Have you received my son? And if you've received my son, you are now reconciled to me. And you are a son. Walk with me. The bridge of sonship is about coming to a place where I realize that on this side of the bridge, man, I have tried to do this thing my way. It's all been law. It's law after law. It's, I, I just feel like if I step this way and I do this, it's, it's all law. But the bridge of sonship is coming to the place where I realize, man, in my mind, I have held myself back. I've let everyone else make up my mind for me, make my decisions for me. But I'm going to begin to cross this thing, and I'm going to become a son to God. And I'm going to become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to begin to make my transition across this bridge, and I'm going to be free from that law, and I'm going to allow Him to begin to speak into my spirit and talk to me. And there's people that are in this room. There's people watching online. I don't know how vast the relationships are with God in this room or under the sound of my voice today. I don't know how well or not well you know God. But what I do know is the Father is talking to every single person. We sang the song this morning where He speaks to us in many forms. And I don't know what form He might speak to you. I don't know if He'll show, speak to you through a billboard, if He'll speak to you through your husband or your wife or your boss. I don't know how He'll speak to you, but I know this, He'll speak. If you will turn your heart to Him and you will say, you know what, I receive, first of all, I receive Jesus Christ because I want to be free from the law. I don't want to be bound to this anymore because I can't be a son and in the law at the same time. So I'm going to receive Christ and I receive Christ. Now, Father, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I have faith that you are going to show me. You're going to help me to walk this out so that I can take ownership because I want to remain in the house of God forever. I don't want to be the one that doesn't take ownership, but I choose to be one of the sons that remain in the house of God forever. I want to be counted among those. When, when you're calling out those that you need to do something spectacular, count on me. When you need somebody to reach somebody else that's somewhere out there, way out there, and, and they won't listen to anybody else, you can count on me. Put the words in my mouth, you can count on me. Because, Father, sonship is about me wanting to make sure that whatever in your heart is what comes to pass. Sonship isn't about me getting what I want. It's about me doing what the, what's in the Father's heart until that becomes what I want. Do you hear me today? Stand with me if you would, please. Crossing the bridge of sonship is receiving how God sees me. Father, how do you see me? Do you see me today? And I'm asking you to ask this about yourself. How do you see us today, Father? Father.
Do you see us as men and women who somehow justify our lives because we do all the right things, at least the way that we've been taught, or are we right with you because our ear is turned to you, our heart is turned to you? We want to honor you, rising up and lying down. How do you see me today, Father? Talk to us. Every person in this room, every person on, that lens, on the other side of that lens, Father, today, speak to us. Show us. We're beginning this year. We want to enter into this year not as a people with a slave mind that always feels robbed and taken from or that we're taking or no one cares or no one sees, but we want to enter, enter, enter into this year as sons with a spirit of sonship. Join heirs with Jesus Christ that allows us to say about everything around us, if this belongs to God, it belongs to me too. And if He created it, He created it for me. So I'm going to live in this thing, and I'm going to remain in this house forever as a son. Slave mind no more. Mind of a son today. The mind of a son. Father, I lift my voice over every man and every woman under, that can hear me. I pray for them today. I don't know who does or who does not have relationship with you today. But I ask by word and spirit today that you minister to every heart. Prick every heart today. Let every single one know that you are calling out to them. If they don't know you, let today be the day that their life begins with you. Help us today to see where we are. Help us today to see that we are sons. We are not orphans. We are not outcasts. And we're not vagabonds. But we trust you. You are our Father. We love you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name.